up, everybody? Welcome to Stacking the Box College Football Edition. I'm your host, Reed Wallach, joined today by the great Cody Williams. You can follow him on Twitter at TheSizzle20. Follow me on Twitter, my name, at Reed Wallach. We're here all college football season giving you the latest from what happened last week. We're going to set you up for next week. We're going to hand out some bets along the way. We're going to talk everything college football. We're pumped to have you this season. Cody, what's going on, man? Week zero, right here. Dude, I have been waiting for months for this. The football void is finally about to be filled. And this is, I mean, this is the best time of year. Like week zero, like the slate is never great, but who cares? It's college football's back. You, it's always a good sign where like all my social media feeds, whether it's like your TikToks or your Instagram reels are all like, college football best intros or best entrances or sickest upsets of the last like that's been filling up my uh social media feeds the last few weeks so that that's a it's a good feeling heading in to week zero we have a ton of stuff we're gonna get into this is gonna be our futures episode we're gonna talk each power five conference we're gonna talk some sicko stuff we're gonna talk some g5 win totals future bets we got everything for you and of course we're going to talk college football playoff and Heisman Trophy. Cody, before we get to that, I, you're from New Mexico. So do you go with the local teams as a New Mexico native or do you have like kind of a big brand college football? Because like for me, I went to Wisconsin. So that's kind of my football team. Who is your favorite college football team? So I'm, I live in New Mexico. I'm actually from North Carolina and okay. I'm a big North Carolina Tar Heels fan uh, for better and worse. Uh, my God, is that team just infuriating when they're supposed to be good. They're awful. When they're supposed to be awful, they surprise people. So uh, all the Drake may hype has me very, very worried about my Tar Heels, <laughs> but you know, we'll see. <laughs> okay. So North Carolina, it is. It's good to know though, going into the year where I can maybe, uh, you know, push some buttons, but listen, <laughs> The North Carolina defense is still going to be atrocious, but at least you have Drake May. At least you have something that you know every Saturday you're going to tune in and you're going to see something good. So before we get into any futures bets or anything, you can't miss out on this offer from DraftKings. You bet $5 on any sport. You get $200 in bonus bets instantly. All you have to do is put in the code STB. And again, that's $5. You get $200 in bonus bets instantly win or lose again the promo code is stb that's for stacking the box uh this offer is available for new customers who are 21 plus and are physically present in legal gambling states please remember to always gamble responsibly check the episode description for the full terms on the offer cody you ready to talk some college football oh please god okay so this is hopefully the last time we're gonna bring up conference realignment because as a college football purist, I think that it's bad for the sport. I guess it's good that you're going to see some marquee games and everything, but we're kind of losing our soul as college football fans. But it is what it is. It, the college realignments going on for the past few years. It's really going to pick up next year. This year's the beginning of the end of this era of college football. I have a few new teams and some new places where we've really seen the transitions are the Big 12, the AAC, the Sun Belt, and Conference USA. So, Cody, how do you see realignment affecting some of these teams both coming into new conferences um, and obviously leaving their prior ones? Are there any teams you're targeting that you think are going to hit the ground running or are they going to struggle? 
Uh, so I'm going to start with struggle. I guess I'm, you know, going with a little pessimism to start, mm-hmm. but I'm a little worried about Cincinnati's jump to the big 12 specifically because of all the changes they're going through as a program. In addition to going like making the jump from group of five to power five. So like you're losing Luke fickle who built that program into, you know, an, a juggernaut in the AC, AAC, like they were consistently at the top of the conference competing for conference championships. And obviously they made the college football playoff on top of that. Now you're losing Luke fickle. You're replacing him with Scott Satterfield, who, I don't particularly think was a great coach at Louisville. Um, And then on top of that, uh, they're only returning two starters on defense. They're bringing in Emory Jones. I think this is his third stop now. And I've watched Emory Jones play at previous stops and not exactly, you know, making me confident in what they're bringing in at quarterback. Like they struggled at quarterback last year with Ben Bryant. So I'm really worried about the jump in competition for a team that's experiencing so much turnover, especially with the head coach too. Yeah, Cincinnati is a team that I've been eager to fade, obviously. Like you said, losing Luke Fickle, a lot of transition there. And this is a team that, you know, they were able to overwhelm over the past few years with elite defense in the AAC. You're now going up, and I'm not saying the Big 12 is chock full of elite defensive, but the schedule is picking up. Schedule mm-hmm. is going to get much more difficult. And, you know, I think that this it's, it's the wrong time to – make the jump to the big 12 when you lose your coach you lose your defensive coordinator you lose a lot of talent there um and like you said emory jones i think i think satterfield's gonna try and do like a malik cunningham redo here by going to get emory jones the issue is emory jones not as dynamic he uses legs but I, i cunningham is really he was one of the most electric quarterbacks the last several years so i think cincinnati is in for a rude awakening I'm going to talk about another team I expect to struggle making the transition up in class when we talk about our Big 12 future bets. I'll go I'll go more optimistic here. I think a team that is going to thrive in their new conference, especially because of some hires and some transfer portal um, makings here over the past several months, it's Florida Atlantic going to the AAC. This is a team I bet on to win the AAC earlier this summer. Get Tom Herman. You look at what Tom Herman's done at recent stops. I know he was fired from Texas, but this was a guy who finished several games over 500 at Texas. He wasn't really a failure. He didn't. Texas wasn't back under Tom Herman, but he took in his first season. Texas was under 500, missed a bowl game. In his first season, won two more games, won seven games, made a bowl game. Pretty tangible jump there to go from non-bowl eligibility to bowl eligibility in the Big 12 with a team like Texas. Then uh, you look back at his prior stops at Houston, Big jumps as well. So Tom Herman, everywhere he's gone, he's hit the ground running. Now he's going to an AAC that, like we just said, loses a team like Cincinnati, going through some transitions. And then they go and get Casey Thompson, who Tom Herman has a lot of familiarity from Texas. This is a team that returns over 75% of production on both sides of the ball. A lot of key playmakers here are back on an offense that was above the national average. It was the defense that struggled but several key cogs back on uh, the defense side of the ball. It was really bad. I'm not saying it was outside the top 100 in EPA per play, but at least you have some continuity. 18 and 19 players that played over 250 snaps are back. So I'll, let's at least you had some you got some people back. At least everyone's familiar with each other. They know each other's names. I think this AAC <laughs> is a little bit vulnerable at the top with teams like Tulane, um, UTSA. I know there's a lot of talent there, but you know this is the third trade team, and FAU has played them before they're familiar there i think florida lang this is a team that can hit the ground running here with some power five transports coming in cody any thoughts on the aac and florida atlantic 
So I actually had Florida Atlantic down as my optimist team uh, yeah, as well. Go, so I'm, I'm, I'm all in on it. I mean, Tom Herman has proven like he didn't underachieve as badly as people make it out to be at Texas, like you said. But on top of that, he's proven that in a group of five setting, he's a fantastic offensive mind who can coach up players like above their talent level. But on top of that, Lane Kiffin proved just a few years ago that you can get talent at Florida Atlantic. Like Florida Atlantic is a place where you can bring in talent. And they've done so already in the transfer portal. And I like long-term I'm even higher on Florida Atlantic and the AAC. And on top of that, like you look, one of the top contenders you named in this conference was UTSA. They're also making that jump from CUSA to AAC. Yep. And they're also losing uh, Zaire Franklin. So like, I just don't know how this is going to go like for UTSA making that jump. So like, for Florida Atlantic to have success, the pathway is very clear right there. Yeah, 100%. So some good talks on realignment, how this conference is going to go. Any other teams you think need to mention, either optimistic or pessimistic, anyone you're looking at, maybe there, I know we have a few teams written down, so I don't want to give away too much for later in the show, but any other teams you think worth mentioning, especially in the context of, hey, they're jumping up in class. How are they going to respond to a likely more difficult schedule? Um, so I, I believe this is a team you're going to touch on, so I'm not going to go too crazy on them, but BYU is one I'm worried about. And that's a jump from independent to a conference schedule in a power five schedule. And that to me just seems like a stark contrast. Like you look at a program like Notre Dame, if they joined a conference, they wouldn't really, they would still be Notre Dame. Like they're still going to be doing the exact same things, but BYU and their independent schedule, they would always have some marquee matchups, but at the same time they would have, I guess what you would call the cupcakes of the schedule. And they would really make sure that those were easily winnable games. So they would get bowl eligibility. You don't get that luxury as a non-independent program. And so I think like, I like, you know, what's been built in BYU, but I'm a little worried about the jump from independent, like not even jump from group of five, a jump from independent to uh power five league. Yeah. Uh, uh, I will get back to uh, the Cougars in a few minutes. Let's talk some conference here. Let's talk. So let's give it some bets. Come on. Let's, let's do it. A week away. Let's talk some bets here. So we have a handful of bets we're going to get to. We're going to go conference by conference, though. Cody will give a bet. I'll give a bet, and we'll go back and forth. Let's start in the SEC, though. It just means more. Cody, while it just means more, you're going all the way to the bottom of the conference for your first bet. In the inaugural Stacking the Box college football show, what is your first win total bet you want to give out on the show starting the SEC? Yeah, I don't think it's uh, uh, much of a question who the sicko in this uh, duo is. It's definitely me because I'm going Vanderbilt Commodores over three and a half wins. Um, First off, I'm a big fan of Clark Lee. I think that given the constraints that Vanderbilt's always going to have as a program in the SEC with, you know, with academic restraints and then on top of that, not a great football history in terms of the modern college football landscape, it's always an uphill climb. But we've seen that if you build this program the right way, like James Franklin did, that they can like not compete for a national championship or anything or even the SEC, but they can win some games. They can make a bowl. And I think 3.5 as their win total is just, uh, you know, disrespectful. It's minus 170, so there's a lot of juice, but – they're bringing back AJ Swan and Will Shepard. Will Shepard is one of the most underrated players in the SEC, in my opinion. I think he's a very dynamic receiver who probably could have transferred if he wanted to. Uh, Swan had some moments last year. I think that we see, you know, with a full year as the starter, I think that we really get to see more from him. But they also have a three-star running back, Cedric Alexander, who I'm really excited about. I think the offensive line has some con- continuity on it. And more importantly, 
the schedule sets up real nice for over three and a half. Uh, they start the season with Hawaii and Alabama A&M. That's two and oh. Then they play at Wake Forest. Um, I'm not sure that Wake Forest is going to be much of anything this year. And I think when you get an improved Vanderbilt team, go even on the road at Wake Forest, I think that's a winnable game. And then they play UNLV, who I think is another winnable game. So at worst, they're three and one. And I think there's a lot of down teams or teams in the SEC that can have some slip-up weeks if they like take Vanderbilt lightly. And I think Vanderbilt's good enough to catch them this year. So over three and a half, I'm all over it. Yeah, um, I agree. Market seems to agree as well, minus 170. Uh, I think it lands for a lot of time. This is a Vanderbilt team trending in the right direction for sure. Uh, my best bet in this conference, uh, you know, we're a week out from the season, so uh, markets have moved for sure. One that is still available that I have bet is Missouri under six and a half wins. That This is a team, Missouri, they did go two and four in one-score games last year. They lost a crazy game at Auburn that they should have won. They played Georgia tough, and this is a team with Eli, um, Eli Drinkowitz. It's had an elite defense for, you know, it's been building in the right direction. It's can the offense really compete in the SEC? And I just, I don't think that this is the year that Missouri is going to take that jump. I mean, you look at what's going on at quarterback undecided so far, but Brady Cook looked way overwhelmed last year and struggled. They bring in Jake Garcia, played seldomly at Miami. Maybe he has a higher ceiling, but still a limited sample size and something that I am not certain is going to be a, you know, plus Missouri, I mean, this is going to be a bottom three offense probably yet again in the SEC. I mean, you look at last year's offense, you're talking 80th in yards per play, allowed 91 tackles for loss. I was 115th in the entire country. The offensive line was a big concern. I just struggle to see the offense taking a big of enough step forward that this team is able to win seven games. You talk about the schedule. I They play Kansas State in a, a non-conference play. They'd probably love to get revenge there. I'm going to still give the benefit of the doubt to Kansas State. I'll give them Memphis on a neutral. I'll give Missouri that. So I'll give them three and one in a non-conference play. But you look at the conference schedule, it's just a lot of really tough games that they're going to be considerable underdogs. You host LSU. You host Tennessee. You play at Kentucky. You play at Georgia. You play at Arkansas. I'm just skeptical that this team is going to be able to get the seven wins. I think six is very likely looking at the schedule. Pretty reasonable price here at only minus 125. I'm co- I'm comfortable taking Missouri again. Maybe there is an offensive leap that I'm not seeing. Burden's a burner on the outside. He's a fantastic wide receiver. I think quarterback play is going to cost him again. I think Missouri in the SEC to win these one score games, you need the quarterback that's going to lead you to these wins. And I just I don't see it with Missouri. Cody agreement disagreement i'm open to all years here so i mean when i look at this i see six or seven wins so like they the odds makers set this total exactly right to where i'm looking at them but i i tend to agree with you when it's like you know kind of a toss-up for me between you know the two totals right around where the line is set i'm always going to default to quarterback play and i'm terrified of what the tigers have at quarterback like it's it's Mm. not a good situation we haven't seen like anything that would make us think otherwise. Like the fact that it's undecided now means that neither of these guys who have underwhelmed thus far are like separating themselves. So that's worrisome to me. Uh, They play the games that they would love to play on the road at home and uh, like against LSU. And it's just, it's a tough situation for drink. So I, yeah, I'm, I would lean to the under with you on this for sure. It's a program moving in the right direction. Again, though, I just don't know if the talent's there to start really piecing together seven eight win seasons and really maybe this team is better on paper than it is wins and loss wise but i just don't know if the 
the win total is going to get over this number. So I'll play Missouri under six and a half wins. Let's talk some Big Ten. This is my country now. All right. Big Ten. Cody, what are you, what are you seeing here? I'm playing to your heartstrings here. I'm going with Wisconsin to win the Big Ten West uh, okay. at plus 140 on FanDuel. Um, I think that I don't feel like it's been talked about enough. I mean, it's we you know people have talked about Luke Fickle coming, and that's a great thing. But I think Phil Longo coming to this offense is the biggest factor that not, not enough people are discussing at length. Like we saw what he did to North Carolina's offense. North Carolina was not a nine and three team last year. And granted they had a better quarterback talent and Drake may than Tanner Mordecai is, but a lot of it is Phil Longo's offense and that North Carolina offense has been humming. And I think he's going to open up the passing attack in ways that we just haven't seen. Like his offense is so wide receiver friendly that you don't need, you know, elite talent, which Wisconsin doesn't have at wide receiver. But then you complement that with the run game of Braylon Allen. And obviously Wisconsin is just an offensive line factory. I just think that this team is going far too underrated to be honestly at plus odds. Like I would probably have them as a slight, you know, slight favorite to win this conference, like more so than like just being at the top of the odds boards. And I think that people are overrating Iowa getting Cade McNamara. I don't think Cade McNamara has shown me that much from his time at Michigan. And I think that's probably their biggest competition in the West. So I'm all in on Wisconsin in the West. Yeah, the schedule really sets up nicely uh, for the Badgers this season. Obviously, wholesale changes everywhere. You know, this is going from run it, chug it football to what is I've seen now called the dairy raid, uh, an air raid <laughs> offense. But this is a team, though, you know, I mean, Cody, you're familiar with Phil Longo's offense. They're still going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. This is not straight, like, quick five-yard outs. We're, we're running the ball with Tan- or we're chucking the ball downfield with Tanner Mordecai this is a team that's still going to have Braylon Allen, Ches Malusi. Those guys are still going to, Allen's going to run for well over a thousand yards. Malusi is a great um, secondary change of pace back as well. This Wisconsin team is very good. I don't have any future exposure to them because I wonder if like year one in these changes, maybe things go a little sideways, but the schedule you're, you're right. This is a team that is rightfully the favorite in the big 10. I, I have no gripes about that. Iowa schedule also very easy, but Wisconsin plays Iowa and hosts them. So that's a big one there. I'm going with another team, though, not going top of, top of the board. But to me, this is a team that it should be right there. It's Penn State, over nine and a half wins. This is a 10-win team, in my opinion, probably an 11-win team. Uh, this Penn State team is absolutely loaded. I played their under last year because I didn't like what was there with Sean Clifford. I questioned uh, some of the changes, Manny Diaz's first year, and I was wrong. I, I was absolutely wrong. And now they make so many upgrades. Drew Aller is an absolute stud prospect, future pro prospect with a big arm, one of the top quarterback recruits from two years ago. He's joined the backfield by Singleton, who was a stud freshman, uh, played last year. Allen as well in the backfield. Passing game is going to pick up with uh, Dante Cephas from Kent State coming in. The offensive line returns a future first-round pick. I mean, this team is ready to go on the offensive side of the ball to not – I. Mean, to win the Big Ten against a lot of these teams on their schedule, you got to score, what, like high 20s mm-hmm. to really like push past like the Illinois of the world? Yeah, Penn State is, should probably be scoring 30-plus each game. That's how I see this offense. And you look at the defensive side of the ball, Chop Robinson's back. I mean, my notes are littered with future pros on this uh, roster. Again, like I said, Chop Robinson back. Um, Kalen King, arguably the best cornerback in the Big Ten had over 20 it, I saw the stat I didn't even think it was real 21 passes defended last season you can't throw on this guy uh this is a team 
Uh, also, Isaac is back after he missed all of 2021 and came on record and said, I didn't feel 100%. I'm 100% now. Uh, this is a Penn State team that is ready to roll. You look at the schedule. They do go to Ohio State. They're a pretty big underdog in that game. Ohio State has some questions here that I think Penn State could hang. They host Michigan. Even if they lose those two, let's just say. I think they get one, but let's say they lose both. That's 10 wins. They need to run the rest of their schedule to get over this total. And I struggle to see where if this team roll shows up and they play to expectation, they're going to win the rest of their games. I look at at Maryland, you're going to be favored by well over touchdown, probably double digits. At Illinois, you're going to be favored by double digits. You get Iowa at home, who's a different team on the road. Penn State over for sure. And we'll talk about them again uh, later in the show. Yeah, I mean, I'm – Lock them in with lock me in with you. I mean, I'm all in on this Penn State team. I was shocked when I saw the number at nine and a half because if I'm not mistaken, Michigan and Ohio State are both at ten and a half, correct? Yep. And I believe that this team is on the exact same playing field as they are this year. And granted, I think that's a bet on Drew Aller. Like, I think that's really what we're coming down to. Like, if if Aller like lives up to the hype and comes up, comes in and is able to, uh, you know upgrade over Sean Clifford. I think that this offense could really take off because like you said, the rushing game, the offensive line, the weapons, like they're all there. And if the quarterback takes a big, like makes a big jump from what they had last year, then this team is on the same playing field as Michigan and Ohio state. There's legitimately a, a, a path where this team goes 12 and 0. Like it's not out of the question. And so like when that's still in the playing field, we're getting an over under at nine and a half. That's an, that's an over every single day. I agree. Uh, <laughs> Big 12. Big 12. We hinted at it before, so I'll, I'll go first here. I went BYU under minus under five and a half at minus 125. This is available at DraftKings right now. You mentioned everything about BYU making the change, playing a full schedule now. They actually tried to do this last year. If you look at their schedule, it wasn't all the way like a normal Big 12 schedule, but they played a very difficult schedule. They got completely banged up. They couldn't handle all the traveling they were doing. They ended up faltering, made a bowl, and they won their bowl game. But still, this was not a BYU team that, you know, this was a team that had a win total. I believe it was eight and a half, and were expected to really compete against an independent schedule. Now you saw what happened, and a lot of changes here. Brand new DC and Jay Hill is going to completely revamp their scheme, plays a lot of man coverage. He was great at Weber State, which all the credit to him, but this is a a scheme that I think is going to take a few years to really work out and get the guys in there that's going to work for this BYU defense. So BYU's defense, which was outside the top 100 success rate last year, I think is going to struggle yet again. And then you look at the offense, um, Keaton Slovis. I remember very vividly about two years ago, heading into the college football season, I saw on NFL network, like an NFL mock draft and I had with the first pick projected, I don't remember who it was probably like the Jags or something. The first pick, Keaton Slovis, second pick, Spencer Rattler. I My head almost exploded. Oh, my God. I couldn't believe what I saw. Now look at where we see Slovis left USC, where he was being projected as a number one pick, goes to Pitt, struggles again, and now he's in BYU. I do not believe in Slovis, especially against the, the Big 12. Again, I'm not saying that these are the best defenses in the country, but this is a, a big jump. And, I mean, definitely from the ACC, but – to me, this is an offense going through a lot of transition. Lose Gunnar Romney, lose Parker Nakua. This BYU team is in for a rude awakening coming into a conference schedule. And while I will say they will have probably a decisive home field advantage playing at altitude in Provo, 
I just don't know if it's going to bear fruit as much in this year's schedule. If you look week three at Arkansas, week four at Kansas, that kind of, that's a lot of travel for them. It goes both ways. So that's a really tricky spot right there. They do host Cincinnati, but then you kind of lose like a buy advantage because you're going to TCU, then Texas Tech, and then back on the road to play Texas. I just struggle to see BYU getting a bowl eligibility with this year. I made this win total in the four, so I'm way under on BYU. I love this win total under uh, Cody. I know you mentioned the, the struggles you expect uh, for BYU this year. Did I miss anything, or did I cover it all? Oh, no, you crushed it. I mean, that's it. Like, I think the best point you made was that last year they tried to get some sort of conference-ish schedule in their independent scheduling, and the team like couldn't hold up for it more or less. And so now they like, now that they're in that full time with as much turnover as they've had. And I, I, I think overall a jump in competition, cause I'm, I'm, I like the depth of the big 12 this year. And so like, I think when you come into that, I think it's just, I think it's an easy under as well. For sure. What are you seeing in the big 12? So in the big 12, I am not letting the hypnotoad die and I'm going with TCU over seven and a half wins at minus 144. I believe that's a uh, FanDuel. Um, yep. So I have the, like, I understand what this team lost. I truly do. But let's not forget, and this point's been said a billion times, that Max Duggan ended up being a Heisman finalist. He was not the week one starter for TCU last year. It was Chandler Morris who got banged up. Max Duggan came in and the rest was history. But Chandler Morris is back and he's, and like this program and Sonny Dykes are clearly very high on him. So I don't, and when you add in that, they also brought in two Alabama transfers, Jojo Earl and a former five-star Trey Sanders at running back that might not necessarily, you know, replace everything that Kendra Miller and Quentin Johnson did, but it does like help a lot to add that kind of talent to this team. And when you're looking at a, you know, a seven and a half win total, I think there's a legitimate chance the Horn Frogs are seven and zero. The start of their schedule is cake, and then they finish with a brutal five game stretch, which I will fully admit they are at Kansas State, at Texas Tech. They get Texas at home, they get Baylor at home, and they finish with OU on the road. You, you could argue those are the five best teams in the Big Twelve. So, like, that's tough, but. I think TCU and Sunny Dykes have proven that they can play above their talent level. And I think to asking them to pick off one or two of those games to hit this over is not that much of an ask, especially in a conference that has had traditionally so much parity. Yeah. Uh, no grapes for me here. Didn't play anything, but you mentioned that easy schedule. So I'll just rattle it off real quick. Uh, Colorado, Nickel State, at Houston, SMU at home, West Va, at Iowa State, BYU. Great case to be 7-0, and and it reminds me a lot last year. I took a win total on Ole Miss on the premise that they're going to start. I expect them to start 7-0 and and then just need one. And you look at the teams on that TCU schedule. The Big 12 in the past several years has shown a lot of parity, and a lot of teams have went in opposite directions. I mean, take last year, for example. Oklahoma falls off a cliff. TCU and Kansas State rise. Texas struggles with injuries and, you know, general ineffectiveness in big games. The, sca- the conference went completely different than people expected. I'm not saying TCU is going to win the Big 12 or go to the Big 12 championship again, but can the wheels really come off for Baylor and, you know, it ends up that TCU is kind of a big favorite in that game? Mm-hmm. Or can Oklahoma be out of it in the last game of the ski- season and, um, you know, the wheels come off for them and, their you know, their offense can't take advantage at Texas Tech, TCU has a bye before that game, so that helps. So 
I definitely see the cost to go over this number with TCU. Still, I know they turn a lot over from last year's team, but this is a team still loaded uh, with Sonny Dykes. So uh, no gripes from me there on the Horn Frogs. Let's keep it moving, though. Let's talk ACC, though, because we're both looking top of the board. I'm going for a future. You're going for a winter. I'll, I'll, I'll leave the honors to you. Tell, talk to me about the Florida State Seminoles. I, I'm in love with this team. I did my preseason top 25 for fansouted.com. I had them as the number two team in the country. I am extremely high on a team that basically lost nothing. And they won 10 games, including their bowl game last year. They basically lost nothing. They're bringing back Jordan Travis, who is a legitimate Heisman can, candidate. Uh, I don't think he's either of our picks, but I think like if Florida State lives up to the hype, he's going like there's a very good chance that he's in New York. Um, the big, the two big games on the schedule that everyone's going to circle are Clemson and LSU. Both of them happened in September. They beat LSU last year. And honestly, I expect to see a very similar game, probably not as weird as the one last year. I don't know if you remember that one, but there were like missed field goals and interceptions and everything. Um, but like both teams are returning a ton of starters. So they can very much win a game against LSU at a neutral site. And then Clemson, I'm a little worried about Clemson out of the gates, I think they're still going to win a lot. Like I don't hate what you're coming up with shortly, but uh, I do think that they're still going to win a lot of games, but I think that we could see some, you know, early stumbling blocks against better competition like Florida state because of, you know, you're still installing a new offense under Garrett Riley. Kate Klubnick, uh, though he played last year is still not, you know, not, not totally experienced. Like he has a little bit of experience, but he's still green, I would say as a quarterback. And so, Basically, the only game that I think could ruin this over-under is they have a trap game at Pitt late in the season. Uh, it's right before the Miami game, and that playing at Pitt is never a fun task. Pat Narduzzi always comes in, and you're going to get hit in the mouth 45 times. Especially as an underdog. Exactly. Um, so that's the one thing that worries me, but I think that they clip either one of LSU or Clemson, and that still gets me to this over. Yeah. Uh, for the LSU-FSU game, of course, I remember it had FSU in the game. Very lucky to win that one because I don't think they deserved it. I, I think especially the last like three years, I couldn't tell you what happened in pretty much every single college football game that happened. I, I remember all if I didn't watch it, I at least know I get a basis of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I you all you make fantastic points. I completely agree with the talent. The issue is, is that Clemson is a much better team this year, and they're going to win the ACC. I won't say that. The, I, I think going over on Florida State isn't necessarily the wrong bet. I'm not betting it myself because I, I've come around on Clemson, and I, this is kind of my this is my team this year from a betting perspective and how I see this all going. You look at Clemson's schedule. They are going to be favored in every single game this entire season. All of their swing games – come at home they play florida state at home they're about a three-point favorite in the look ahead market so i mean if you beat florida state especially with a non-division acc now if you win that game you get such a leg up on the rest of the conference because there are questions about miami Pitt, north carolina north carolina state you win that game you are in the complete driver's seat because you get the tiebreaker over the other so i like that that game is coming at home so i like clemson there. not related to the acc but they host Notre Dame. They do have a little, I will say probably their trickiest stretch of the season is a back-to-back road game stretch where they come off a bye, they play at Miami and at NC State. Maybe that's where they slip up. But again, if you win that Florida State game in week four, 
you're cooking already. You have a game that you could drop. So I like Clemson to win the ACC. Again, I give them a decisive advantage to get to this game. And then, you know, even if you want to call it a pick against Florida State, you're getting some uh, uh, positive expected value on this bet right here with Clemson plus 150. Now let's talk about the team itself. Cade Klubnick's coming in, a five-star prospect. And most importantly, the impetus for this bet is that they got Garrett Riley from TCU. You mentioned about TCU a few minutes ago, how Max Duggan wasn't even supposed to start last season. Look at what they did with Max Duggan, who wasn't even supposed to start. Went to the national championship game, top 15 in EPA per play. Max Duggan was a Heisman finalist. Cade Klubnick has far more upside than Max Duggan or even Chandler Morris has. So this is a Clemson offense that is set to run under Garrett Riley's simplified scheme. Klubnick is a dual threat quarterback, has plenty of weapons on the outside with Collins, Noble Johnson, pair of tight ends. So I like where this offense is set. Bring back four or five starters as well. I think that this Clemson team, listen, they struggled last year and they still won, what, nine, ten games? Mm -hmm. They won the ACC last year and they were they couldn't move. They were ineffective on offense. Love Clemson to win the ACC. I think Clemson runs the table in the regular season. I think that they win the ACC championship game. They're back in the college football playoff. No, I, I, I don't disagree with them winning the ACC. I truly don't. Like, I think that, and I mean, I think the one thing we could both hit, we, we could both win. Absolutely. And the one thing that I do think really plays into your favor for them just getting to the game, which I think is all they need to do to get like, to for this bet to be worth the bet you know what i'm saying like is there's no divisions anymore so the Mm -hmm. acc is going away from divisions and so when the rest of the league is beating itself up clemson if they even if they slip up and drop one they're still in the driver's seat to like you said if they beat florida state they're still in the driver's seat to make that game comfortably absolutely great stuff on the acc especially hitting on kind of the the higher level teams of the ACC. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parts, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc let's talk some pac-12 let's go out west the final year of the pac-12 before it becomes the pac-4 as of now uh <laughs> Cody, I'll let you lead off. You're going conference future, and then I'm going to talk about another, uh, let's call it dark horse contender in the Pac-12. Let's hear it. Uh, So I have Washington to win the conference at plus 320. I believe that is on FanDuel. Um, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I hate betting the Pac-12. I the Pac-12 is just the most infuriating league. I'm glad it's going away from a betting purpose for betting purposes. (laughs) Um, But I will say that one thing I see when I look at this conference, yeah, at the, especially at the top with USC, Oregon, Washington, and then Utah, if you want to throw them in there, considering they are back-to-back conference champs, um, is 
to me, at least those top three teams, there you can interchange them, and I don't have a problem with that in terms of like power ratings and rankings and stuff like that. I think that they are very on par with one another. But the one thing that comes to mind with me with this team is everything Kalen DeBoer is bringing back. And after we saw what he did in year one with this team, they were in contention to win the Pac-12 last year with a team that was basically like, okay, we have a new coach, we have a new system, we're just going to you know, run and gun with Michael Penix Jr. And they almost won the conference. And now you get another year in the system, bringing basically everyone back. They're, uh, it honestly reminds me a little bit of Penn State in a way that this team has NFL draft prospects on both sides of the ball, crazy, like in a crazy way, like Braylon Trice on the defensive line. Then you have uh, uh, Rome, and I totally blank on his last name, but the receiver. Um, you could probably correct me on that in just a second. McMillan and Adunze. The, Adunze. The two, uh, Adunze. Returning, returning a thousand yard receivers. Yeah. And then Penix, if he can, if Penix stays healthy, then there's no reason that Washington's not going to be able to win the Pac-12. And they have the third highest odds behind USC and Oregon. So I'm going to take the value there, considering I think they're on the same level playing field as those two programs. Yeah, uh, I, I don't hate it. I, I'm i still looking at Utah. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of waiting for the Cam Rising news to drop and maybe get a a discounted price on the Utes. That's a team I've backed the last two years, so I owe it to them to uh, ride them again. But I will say the key for Washington they do have to go to USC mm-hmm. um, in Pac-12 play. But the real swing game, because I, I think USC's schedule is hellacious, but the real swing game comes home Oregon and home Utah. Mm-hmm. Those are the two that I think really could determine this Pac-12 race, especially to get to the game. So Washington gets both those at home. I don't hate it. I'm not sure if I could trust their defense. You mentioned they have pros, but it wasn't porous defense last year. I don't hate it, though. Um no bets for me so far on Pac-12 outright. My bet, though, Oregon State under eight and a half wins. You get this at minus 130 at FanDuel. I just think that this is a huge jump in expectation for the Beavers. This is a team that had a win total of five and a half last year. They had an unbelievable season last year. What did they end up finishing last year? I think it was nine wins, ten wins. Uh, they ended up winning. It was nine, wasn't it? I believe it was nine. It was nope. That link didn't work. Uh, I believe it, no ten wins if you count nine mm. regular season wins. So now you are being asked to match that. You're being asked to match nine wins from last season. This is a team that this is a program that does not recruit on the level that wins nine games year in and year out. You know this isn't a program that typically competes with the USC's and the Oregon's and the Washingtons of the conference. This is a, this is more of a under not underachieving more of an underdog type team when you look at the scope of the Pac-12 so why is their win total eight and a half oh because they got DJ like I mean we saw this last year we, we saw it last year and now I know that this Oregon State team they're going to be run heavy they're going to lean on Martinez and Fenwick and their hog mollies up front to really give a push but this is a change an expectation for this Oregon State program going from a team that can they maybe go bowling to you need to win nine games to get over this if Oregon State goes back-to-back when's the last time they won back-to-back nine win or had back-to-back nine win seasons I Cody if you want to pull up like their Wikipedia page and go yeah right so now I'll give you a little schedule breakdown as to why I'm a little concerned first of all the reason why they won last year was more based around their defense and they lose two pro cornerbacks this is a team that really thrived on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that's going to come back to haunt them with their lack of returning production on that side of the ball. Because, again, 
we stated, DJ Uyungle, this is not a guy that's going to lead an offense. It's not going to be explosive. The defense was top 25 in points per drive allowed. Top 15 explosive pass defense. And the Pac-12 especially, that really pays off. That defense is going to take a step back. Oh, boy. Look out, because this team is going to fall off a cliff. I will say the schedule gives them a lot, a, a lot of runway. They do host UCLA. They host Utah. They host Washington. Corvallis is a tough place to play. They do play at Oregon. But I don't know. This is not a team I'm trusting to walk in on the road to these Pac-12 uh, games and be like, oh, they're going to – this is going to be favored by like two touchdowns by the, the way the market's talking. I don't trust them. At Washington, at Cal, at Arizona – Arizona could absolutely throw all over them and beat them. So to me, way too high of expectations for Oregon State. They're going to go bowling again, but eight and a half, no way. Under for me. So just a cursory glance at this Wikipedia page. The only time I believe it's happened was Mike Riley did it uh, three years in a row from 06 to 08. They went uh, okay. 10 and 3, that 9 and 4, 9 years and 4. Ago. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the only time in program history from just a cursory glance at, you know, 150 seasons or whatever but uh i mean it's not happened often and i completely agree with you i think this is a seven eight win team like this is a good football team do you know like i I don't want anyone to get that twisted by betting the under that you know especially with a total eight and a half but like you said like i just don't think that there is any way that this team playing in a pac 12 that i also believe is overall elevated from last year too i think that's a very crucial factor too that they're going to replicate the success that they had last year. And so I think under eight and a half, like I was surprised when I saw the line, I figured it'd be seven and a half, which would have made me, you know, waffle back and forth on which way Mm -hmm. I would want to lean on that. But eight and a half, that's a pretty easy under for me. Yeah. It's just the, the the jump in level, uh, like expectation wise, just a little too much for me. And again, like if let's say Oregon state goes eight and four, that's like another really good year. Like Oregon, Oregon state fans will be pumped with eight and four. They'll take that. They have. They rarely have that. So to me, that's when it's time to sell this, especially when you look at last season and what they did. Um, I just think you're going to see a natural drop back, and I think getting a guy like DJU is overrating their number, in my opinion. So there's our Power 5 outlook, future bet from every single conference. Let's go outside the Power 5, though. Let's go group of five, because me and you, we're in the weeds on college football. We're looking at every team. All bets are the same. All teams are the same. We love all 133 of these teams with equal love. Let's go outside the power five. You're looking at over. I'm looking at under. So I'll let you, I'll let you give the glass half full look. Who are you going over on from a group of five team? Uh, so this goes against one of my principles, actually. I never bet Mac futures, but I'm going Ohio <laughs> uh, over seven and a half wins. Um I just I love this Ohio team with Curtis Rourke coming back. I think Curtis Rourke is probably, in my opinion, the most underrated player in college football. This guy could have gone to almost any power five school that needed a quarterback this offseason if he wanted to transfer and he chose to stay at Ohio. And the kid is just absolute studs. He's gonna be a draft pick. I would I would bet the house on that if I could, if I could find odds for it. Like he's going to be a draft pick. He's a draftable player. And I just think that Ohio I can't remember. Did they went they went seven and five last year? If I'm remembering correctly, 
they made the MAC championship game. Yeah, the MAC was just beating itself up all year long. But they made the MAC championship game, and Rourke was hurt at the end of the season. And uh, he still played eleven games, to be clear. Like it was the very yes. end of the season. But um, I mean, they made the MAC championship game last year, and they don't experience too much turnover. They weren't hit like some of these other MAC programs were in the transfer portal quite as hard. Like you look at a team like Kent State that was a little frisky last year. All of their players from last year's roster are on Power 5 teams this year. It's wild. And Ohio wasn't hit in that same way, specifically with Rourke. And so I think giving me 7.5 for this team only needs to go 8-4 and to hit hit that. I think that they're the best team in the MAC. Toledo's going to challenge them. Toledo's not on their schedule. So I think that over 7.5 is a pretty comfortable number for me, especially at minus 115. Yeah, I don't hate it at all, especially with a few winnable non-conference games as well, starting at San Diego State. They're underdogs, but only by three, so definitely a winnable game. So no fault there uh, for taking the Bobs. I, as someone who had Ohio to win the MAC last year, that uh, Curtis Rourke torn ACL that that uh, stung a little bit. That hurt, <laughs> but no, I, I like this um, Ohio offense return. Uh, Segura at running back, Will Holtz at wide receiver. This is an offense that's going to be top five group of five offense in my opinion so no harm there a team that i think is going to take a significant drop off you're you're saying ohio is kind of going to keep rising or at least plateau i mean this is a team that won 10 games last year Mm. um a team that i think is going to drop off after last season is middle tennessee under six and a half you can still get this at plus money which i just i don't know man I, i i don't know you look at the schedule first of all they lose cunningham their starting quarterback and he was Chuck Chase Cunningham was basically their offense was chuck the ball down the field and make up for all their poor offensive line play. Just completely negated by just chucking the ball down the field and scoring touchdowns. This is a team that created top 25 in explosive pass rate, but also was outside the top 100 in sacks allowed. So this is a team that now loses their quarterback. They're going to a relative unknown. I'm going to butcher his name, but Viatro at quarterback. So I, I see a significant drop off in production on offense now let me tell you about the schedule because this is like the real where I see an edge and the sequencing in this uh, win total. So they open week one at Alabama. That's uh, that, that's not fun. But then, it, you know, listen, every, someone has to play Alabama. You're going to get smoked, whatever. They then go on the road again to play at Missouri. So you're playing back-to-back SEC schools to start the season. You're not only going 0-2, you're going to have injuries you're going to be absolutely just tormented by these teams. They're going to run over you. So I, I that already sets me on like a really negative way with Middle Tennessee. Not to mention, they play the two best teams in the conference, Western Kentucky and Liberty, on the road. That does not help. I also happen to think pretty favorably of Jacksonville State, Louisiana Tech, Sam Houston. We're going to talk about a few of those teams in a little bit, and New Mexico State. So I'm really concerned about Middle Tennessee holding up playing eight straight games to start the season, holding up against all those power five opponents. Again, this is a team that really overachieved last year in my eyes. They won a lot of games they probably shouldn't have. They had a really favorable um, turnover margin. I I need to pull up the stat really fast. Um, This was a team that was, where were they? Now I can't find, oh, um, 27 in the country in red zone touchdown percentage really like that's a really fluky stat they only allow touchdowns on 52 percent of red zone tries that's just not going to hold up they were fifth in turnovers gained really aggressive defense so i see all of this coming back for rick stock sales group 
I just see under here again, they could go bowling. They could win six games. And that's a pretty successful season to see them winning seven. I'm a little hard pressed. I'll go against the mark and I'll go under at even money. No, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent with you. I think, especially when you're looking at group of five conferences and you see win totals at this range and teams, like you said, with the turnover and underlying numbers that you're looking at with about the offense, like the explosive play rate was crazy. I mean, that's how they beat Miami last year. You know, yeah, what, the ball down the field. And Miami, Miami didn't know what was happening. Shouts to Mario Cristobal. Um, but uh, no, I think that when you see a team of this stature uh, opening up with two SEC opponents on the road in Alabama and Missouri, two great def- defenses, too. That's the other factor in that. Like, those are two, yeah. like, for all the concerns we have about Missouri, that defense is legitimate. So, I mean, they're going to get absolutely beat to shreds. And then you have to go and play a conference schedule in a conference that, like you said, like they're playing the two top teams in the conference. And I think, you know, I think that the strength of this league in CUSA is better than people are giving it credit for. I still think it's one of the lower ranked group of five leagues, but I still think it's, you know, for the teams in it, I think it's going to be challenging to like emerge as a true, you know, front runner. Yeah, totally. Let's talk some college football playoff. Neither of us are taking a national champion. To me, listen, I agree Georgia should be the favorite. I, I No gripes there. There are still questions like quarterback and overall efficiency. They also had the most defensive players ever get drafted um, on that side of the ball. So I agree they're the favorite. The teams below them have some concerns. We're both looking a little bit differently. We're talking strictly, these are both available at FanDuel, but team to make the playoff. What are you seeing? Uh, I'm seeing the Texas Longhorns. They're back. I mean, they're all the way back. <laughs> Same as last words. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I know it, it's so easy to get sucked into Texas, but this is legitimately the best Texas team on paper that we've seen in probably since the Vince Young era, in my opinion. Like, I think the big factor, like we know about the headlines, like Quinn Ewers, if he takes a leap forward, like we saw the flashes last year, like at the start of the Alabama game or at, towards the end of the season, we saw flashes from Quinn Ewers that say, oh, this guy could be a top 10 draft pick. Like, this guy has legitimate top 10 talent. He just has to put that together for a full season. So we know that Ewers is there. They're losing Bijan, but they they have a deep running back stable. They're losing Bijan and Roshan Johnson, I should, I should say. Uh, but they have a deep running back stable, and they're bringing in a five-star, Cedric Baxter. And then you look at the weapons. This is, I mean, outside of Ohio State, this might be the best collection of weapons on offense in the entire country. You got Jatavion Sanders at tight end, who I think is – an absolute stud you got A.D. Mitchell coming from Georgia. You got Xavier worthy. You got Isaiah Naylor who no one even saw last year after he transferred from Wyoming. Cause I believe it was an ACL injury, uh, but he was mm-hmm. out all last season. And so, and then, but I think the big factor on both sides of the ball is this is the best Texas has been in my opinion in the trenches in a very, very long time. And so I think this offensive line is going to be able to dominate a lot of teams in the big 12. And I think that defensive line can also do that to the same to the opposing offensive lines. I think that Texas's defense showed last year that, or it might have gone underrated last year, how good Texas's defense was capable of being. And yes, they have some losses to replace, like Demarvion Overshone and a couple other guys. But like, I'm not particularly worried about that because of the strength up front in the defensive line. And so, I think with this team able to win in the trenches, I think that they're an easy, like I almost put them as my best bet in the in the Big Twelve to win the conference because I think that they're head and shoulders above the rest of the teams in that league um the only thing that would take you against it is the history of texas not living up to expectations which i completely get and 
this is really a bet on Sarkeesian being the right guy because if this team doesn't win the Big 12, in my opinion, then Sark's not going to bring this team back, no matter who he recruits, no matter what. But I believe in this talent of this team, and I think if this team wins the Big 12 and is 11-1, 12-1 coming out of that game, they're not going to get kept out of the college football playoff. I'll let you go one step further. Who do you think is going to win the Heisman? Uh, so my Heisman best bet is Quinn Ewers. I'm all, I'm all in on this Texas team. I think – I mean, if let's just play out the scenario where Texas does make the college football playoff. Do you think the hype train behind Quinn Ewers is not going to be off the charts? And on top of that, if they make the college football playoff, that means Quinn Ewers hits. That means that Quinn Ewers isn't still just showing flashes, but is inconsistent. That means he's the package now. He's the guy that he was, the five-star, everything that reclassified, made Ohio State fans mad when he transferred out of there after one season, got his NIL check and bounce. Like, he is the guy. And so getting him at plus 1300 for a high, for a Heisman best bet, I love that because it plays into the narrative of if Texas is back as I believe they are, then that is a bet on yours as well. Yeah, it's a fair point. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go in reverse here. I'm going to go my Heisman pick, and I alluded to it before, but I – so I see the vision with Quinn Ewers. But to me, I like Cade Klubnick at 16-1, to 1, which you can get at Caesar Sportsbook right now. To me – I think Clemson's running the table. I, I think, like I said, they're going to be favored in every game. And you look at what Garrett Riley did. And listen, I, by the way, Steve Sarkeesian, he uh, created Heisman Trophy winners like Devontae Smith when he was at Alabama. And even, you know, Mac Jones was a Heisman contender as well, the quarterback. But to me, if Clemson goes undefeated with their blend of marquee matchups, because to me, the Heisman, there's almost like a science to it because – you need the stats, you need the marquee wins, and you need the team success. Like you need those three to blend together. And you you alluded to it, like the path for Quinn Ewers. To me, though, I think it's Kate Klubnick because I think Texas to me, their schedule, it it is ripe for like one loss. And in I just want to bring up some of the games. They play at Baylor early in the season. They play, they have Texas Tech in the finale, but that one I believe comes at home. I'm trying to pull up their schedule. Texas Tech comes at home. They play at TCU. Like I said, at Baylor, Oklahoma, and the Red River. To me, I think that there's more likelihood that Quinn Ewers gets kind of taken off the pedestal for a week and kind of stunts that momentum. Whereas to me, Cade Klubnick, he could continue to build on this case where he beats Florida State and he looks great. He beats Notre Dame and he looks great. Not to mention the last two weeks of the season, he gets North Carolina at home, whose defense is terrible, and South Carolina on the road in a revenge spot after they, Clemson lost from last year in crazy fashion. South Carolina's defense is also terrible, one of the worst in the SEC. So I think that there's a lot of room here for Kate Klubnick to pad his stats and for Garrett Riley now. We talk about Lincoln Riley's the Heisman uh, groomer. I think I like uh, Garrett Riley to take the uh, pedestal from him, and you could see Kate Klubnick win the Heisman on an undefeated Clemson team. I mean, that's, listen, that listen, that's the case. I, I I agree, Quinn, but that's that's my Kate Klubnick case. Hey, I mean, we're both we're both staying true to ourselves because I mean, if you believe Clemson's running the table and winning the ACC as we've already discussed, then Kate Klubnick at plus sixteen hundred is a fantastic bet. I'm a little more dubious of Clemson. I'm a little more dubious of Klubnick because I thought that he showed. There were some times last year, granted, in an awful offensive system. Let me be very clear about yes. that. The, the upgraded system is night and day. But um, there were just I'm I'm more dubious of him putting it all together right away. And I don't think Clemson necessarily has to have him do that either, because they have guys like Will Shipley 
in the backfield that they can rely on to, you know, run uh, headline Riley's offense. So I don't hate it. Um, obviously I like mine more, but, <laughs> um, but no, I, 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 like you said, I also see the path to club Nick with how you're seeing the season playing out for Clemson. Yeah. And then my, to make the playoff bet, I don't love anyone here. Obviously, like I just mentioned Clemson, but I'm playing them in kind of different ways to me. If there's one further down the board that I think is deserves some merit and maybe should be closer to the top is Penn state. I spoke about their win total, so I won't go too crazy on this one. Plus 460 at FanDuel, I just think is it's a rightful long shot based on what needs to happen, but I could definitely see a world, at least like in my simulation where you get Georgia in Clemson in, the winner of the Big Ten in, which I'm not saying necessarily is Penn State, but it, I'm not so crazy about Texas. And then that fourth spot, I could see similar to last season where the one-loss Ohio State team that didn't play on conference championship win, they kind of fall backwards into it. I could see that being Penn State. Maybe they don't make the conference championship, but their resume looks so strong because you played Iowa. You went to Ohio State, and I think that they're going to be able to compete and be live to win that game. You win home against Michigan, stuff like that. So I am Penn state to me has a runway to go 11 and one, maybe even 12 and zero, and is live to make the college football playoff, maybe even being idle on that last week. So to me, plus four sixty, I, I could see it. I also think if you want to like simulate this season a little bit, that Penn state, Ohio state game, Ohio state, they go at Purdue and at Wisconsin and sandwiched in between as Penn State. It's kind of a tricky spot on the schedule for Ohio State. Maybe Ohio State, who has a few depth concerns on both sides of the offensive and defensive line, maybe they, maybe they, uh, you know, don't show up. Maybe the uh, lack of proven quarterback play shows up in that game against a Penn State defensive line. I don't know. Just saying. <laughs> I don't know. Penn State long shot. Uh, I know we we went long on that one earlier, so we'll keep it moving, Cody. Sicko game. I, I said earlier this show, I basically could recite to you every single game and what happened in them uh, over the last like three football seasons. You're a resident sicko. So let's talk some sickos because this is pretty sick. This is setting a pretty high bar for the sicko play of the week. Sicko play of the season. We're looking at two teams that the, the two teams that are moving up from the FCS to the FBS this season for how we're playing their win total. And I think we're, we're kind of eyeing the same thing here. So you go first and I'll finish out. Yeah, so I'm going Sam Houston State over four, uh, four flat at minus 110 on DraftKings. Um, it is 3.5 at FanDuel if you want to, you know, buy some juice there. Um, but so this is a team, like you said, they're making the jump from SES to CUSA and they're at the Bearcats with a K. Uh, they're coming off uh, one of their worst seasons in a long time, like Sam Houston State in 2021, 2020. Um, or sorry, not 2020, 2019, like just previously in FCS, they were one of the best offensive teams in the country last year. Not the case. They didn't even make the FCS playoffs. So this is a team coming off a down year in FCS and making the jump to FBS. But I think one of the things that we're really underrating here with the Sam Houston state team is that history. And maybe last year with the offense was the outlier. This team is going to score points. They bring back a ton of product or they bring back basically most of their production from last year. They lose their leading receiver, but they bring back their second and third leading wide receivers from last year. Um, and they also have depth at quarterback. And that's a big thing for me. Um, I'm totally blanking on the guy's name after I just said it. Uh, King and shoemaker. Uh, he was a starter last year. He had some ups and downs. Like he had some good games, but overall, I think he completed under 50% of his passes. It wasn't particularly pretty, but 
they have him. They brought in a couple of transfers. I think they're going to figure out the offense. This coaching staff has proven that. And now they're coming to Acusa League, which, like I said, I'm not particularly sold on the high-end programs in this in this league, especially with, like, UTSA leaving and stuff like that. So I think three-and-a-half wins, especially with a non-conference schedule, that they play an Air Force team that I expect to be actually kind of down this year. And I think that if Sam Houston State's offense is as good as I expect it to be, I think the option attack could have a hard time keeping up with that. Um, they play a Houston team that it's at Houston, but I'm – I'm very low on Houston this year. I'm I'm fading Dana Holgerson and the Cougars this year. Um, the battle of Houston. Ex- winner winner gets winner gets naming right. That's right. And so like I'm not I'm not chalking that as a win, but I'm saying that's a winnable game. And so I think that for us to only need to get to four here, and you you know they get to play a bunch of teams that are also you know making big jumps like uh, Jacksonville State, New Mexico State uh fiu is horrendous like they they have some winnable games on the schedule even for a team that's making a jump for a program that was dominant in fcs for many years and just happens to be coming off a year where they weren't quite as dominant which is why i think this win total is as low as it is yeah i i see a similar path here with jacksonville state the gamecocks i'm going over four and a half wins plus money and what what drove me to this bet, and this is probably like in early July, was Zion Webb, their dual threat court. First of all, Rich Rodriguez is here. Rich Rodriguez coached Denard Robinson, if you remember him. Shoelace, uh, yeah. ran everywhere. Yeah, he now has his again with Zion Webb, a bigger guy, 6'2", 200 pounds. He had uh, only threw for 1,700 yards with Jacksonville State last year, but on the ground ran for 645 and 13 touchdowns. Guys are red zone cheat code. So – in about July, Zion Webb got his waiver to come back for like his sixth or seventh year and got like an extra year of eligibility. So he's back now. But the win total still hasn't moved. It's held steady at four and a half. This guy completely changes the trajectory of this team. He was on this roster last year. This team that only lost two games last year, granted, at the FCS level. But again, it's a jump in class. But I mean, this is a win total of four and a half. And we just saw James Madison come in and run ragged on a much better Sunbelt team, a Sunbelt conference. So to me, Jacksonville State, a lot of upside here. And you look at the schedule, you mentioned Sam Houston has a lot of coin flips. I agree. I think Jacksonville State has a lot of coin flips. Look at week one, for example. They're about to pick them against UTEP at home. So there's a coin flip right there. They host East Tennessee State. They're going to be huge favorites on that one. They get uh, Eastern Michigan at home, a MAC team, a lot of uh, returning production there. But to me, that's a coin flip at home. Again, they do have to play Liberty and Western Kentucky at home, but they play at FIU. They actually, because they play in week zero, get two buys. So the schedule's kind of nicely paced out. I just think to me, way too many coin flips in a conference that we don't, we assume Western Kentucky and Liberty at the top, but we don't really know after that where everyone else is supposed to be placed. What if Jacksonville State being priced as the, you know, sixth best team is really the third best team? or even the fourth best team, all of a sudden this team is going, going they, they aren't eligible to go to a bowl, but they are, you know, bowl, they won enough games to that would qualify them for a bowl and they win six games. So a plus money to me, there's a plus 112 at FanDuel. Zion Webb, remember the name, especially week zero. Next week, we're going to be talking about Zion Webb on this show. Oh, yeah. CBS Sports Network against UTEP. Zion Webb show, our king. Bro, you Jacksonville State over four and a half wins. You know it's good when it's on CBS Sports Network. They be like, 
CBS Sports Network, that's the that's the Sickos Network. Like, if you really want some good action, that's where you need to tune into on a Saturday. Like, forget ESPN, forget CBS, CBS Sports Network. That's where the fun yeah. is happening. That's where the Sickos live. That's right. <laughs> I've always got a screen and, there. And wait, also FS1. CBS Sports Network and FS1, those ones always get, like, the weird, crazy ones between, like, two unranked teams that everyone ends up tuning into the end. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, you look midway, like, through the third quarter, and it's, like, 38 to 34, and you're like, wait what and so yeah it's 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 a great time <laughs> it, it was great cody it was great our first episode the inaugural stacking the box college football show really was great i we gave out a ton of stuff and listen if you liked anything we just said head on over to DraftKings and bet some of these things you bet five dollars on any sport you get two hundred dollars in bonus bets instantly you don't even need the bet to hit five dollars two hundred dollars in bonus bets use the code stb stands for stacking the box Again, that's Cody Williams. I'm Reed Wild. We're going to be back next week, breaking down week zero and every week beyond here on the Sack in the Box channel. We'll see you next week.